following program is brought to you by FinitGuideCars.com. With more than a thousand car listings daily, FinitGuideCars.com has the right used or brand new US spec automobile for you. Find your dream car or motorcycle with our powerful search engine. FinitGuideCars.com. Find a car the right way. to understand the story of the St. Bernardus Brewery, it helps to start with a mysterious man. We find this man in a rather unlikely place, the St. Bernardus beer label. He's the one who makes St. Bernardus stand out on beer shelves everywhere. A man who is a perfect metaphor for a brewery with a storied past, a fantastic present, and a bright future. So who is this guy? At first glance, you're certain that he's a monk. His eyes are jolly, his smile beatific, like he knows something about the divine that the rest of us don't know. He has a ring of white hair that wraps around the back of his bald head, almost like he's a Franciscan friar. His outfit looks exactly like something you'd find in a monastery or a Jedi temple. A stiff collared button-up dark brown shirt beneath a tan robe with wide sleeves that hang down from his wrists. He has a chain around his neck that looks a lot like those to which crosses are usually attached. And, crucially, he's holding a goblet of dark beer with one word stenciled on the side of his glass, Watu. It's fair to ask, what in the world is Watu? A better question, where in the world is Watu? Well, Watu is a small village in the West Flanders region of Belgium. And Belgium is, of course, home to the most famous monk-brewed beers in the world. And it's in Watu where the truth about this man reveals itself. Because the guy who smiles at St. Bernardus drinkers around the world is not a monk, and it isn't Trappists who brew St. Bernardus beer. But for better or for worse, this not a monk is perhaps the best possible symbol to help us unravel the mystery of St. Bernardus. Because even though St. Bernardus is world-renowned for its excellent beers and locally famous for its fantastic barbinard, the story is tightly woven with perhaps the most iconic Trappist brewers of all, the monks at West Flatern. In fact, St. Bernardus has the original recipe for West Flatern 12. They brewed West Flatern beer for nearly 50 years. And so I had to find out, what does this connection mean? Who is the smiling guy on the label? And just what exactly is this place in Watu? From Earblitz, I'm Nate Carney, and this is Belgian Beer Quest. I want to begin by making it clear that St. Bernardus today is its own strong brand. They have so much going for them, and we're going to talk about those things later in the episode. But to fully grasp and appreciate what St. Bernardus is today, it's important to understand where they came from. And the truth is this. Their existence began when the West Flatern monks decided after World War II that they didn't want to brew beer for commercial purposes. So the monks looked around and discovered someone just down the road, literally. Watu is only 10 kilometers away from West Flatern. What they found 
was a vacated former monastic cheese factory owned by a man named Everest de Koenig. De Koenig and the monks hammered out a post-war licensing agreement in which Westphaleran beer would be brewed and sold, and which would leave the monks free to tend to spiritual affairs, to live a monastic life. So in 1946, the Westphaleran brewmaster, a man of Polish descent named Matu Szafranski, arrived in Watu, recipes and ingredients in hand. Then he got to work. And for 46 more years, following an extension of the licensing agreement in 1962, Westflateren beer was brewed in Watu. Then, in 1992, a change was made that would fundamentally reshape the Belgian beer scene. The authentic Trappist product appellation was conceived and launched. Now, as we discussed in our Orval and Chimay episodes, authentic Trappist products like Trappist beer meet strict criteria. They have to be brewed in a working monastery. Trappist monks must be involved in their production. All the proceeds have to go to charity or to maintaining monastic life. Well, in 1992, West beer did not meet those criteria. So the monks took the brewing operation back inside the walls of St. Sixtus Abbey. In little time at all, as we discussed in our West Flederen episodes, their beers, and notably the big dark West Flederen 12, became legendary. But the monks didn't take back the recipes from their friends in Watu, they left them there. Which kind of makes me love them all the more. That seems like a very monk-like thing to do, to share. Still, the brewery in Watu was in a bit of a pickle. What should they do next? It wasn't easy, but they rebranded and became Saint Bernardus. And then they began figuring out how to forge their own path. Nearly 30 years later, it's clear they've done well for themselves. But the existence of the West and Link has led many over the years to make comparisons between the two, especially between St. Bernardus's Abbot 12 and West Flateran 12. In many ways, these comparisons are inevitable. Most people would say something like, hey, look at the facts. They have the same recipes. They look the same in a glass. They gotta be more or less the same, right? Well, I asked Sophie van Rafflecken, a Belgian beer expert, master beer sommelier, and one of the few people I've met who has spent quality time with the West Flateren monks, to help me unlock the mystery. And here's what she said. There's a perception that they are the same beers and it's the same recipe that is used to brew the beers. And that's not true. The thing is, if we go way back in history and go before, even um, during World War I, what happened is that the monks struggled. Of course, a lot of breweries struggled uh, with production as well, and also with the quality of their beer. What happened was they wanted to change that. They wanted to solve the struggle, and they also wanted to live even more sequestered, even more away from the world in silence and solitude. So they wanted to limit the sale of the beer. So they said, let's give the license to a brewery so we will be able to survive and we are able to stay inside and focus and dedicate our life to God even more. So they had an agreement with the brewery, same and others, and they gave a recipe to them to brew the beer. Now, and it's still the brewery, same and others, calls it the recipe they use today. 
But the thing is, the Westvleten that was brewed at the time was like an old Flemish sour brown ale. It was sour in flavor. So they, they got a recipe. I don't know which, of course, I don't know which recipe they got, but if it would have been exactly the same recipe that the brewery of Westvleten used, it would have been a sour beer. So that doesn't make sense. We'll return to the mystery of the beers in a moment, but before we resolve once and for all the relationship between St. Bernardus' Abbot 12 and West Flateren 12, it's vital to understand what St. Bernardus looks like today, because it doesn't look like an abbey. In fact, Feder Vogel, editor of Beer, one of the Netherlands' leading beer magazines, likens it to something entirely different. You see beer, you see it's, it's a wonderful place. It's, it's a bit of a... a, a like we say, uh, Disney World, but then about beers. Having been to Disney World, I would say that the Bar Bernard, which is the crown jewel at the company's headquarters, a rooftop bar with amazing views in all directions, is better than Disney World. There's less humidity for one, and there's no lines. And they have amazing beer on tap or for sale at the gift shop. They've got all the St. Bernardus greats. They're 12, the 8, the 6. Specialty beers like the Wit Beer or the Christmas Ale two types of triple. There's no doubt about it. The Bar Bernard is a fantastic destination for beer lovers. And it also presents opportunities for serendipitous moments, like accidentally crashing a Flemish wedding party while you're trying to philosophize about how beautiful the place is. I'm on the balcony of the bar at the St. Bernardus Brewery, and I think I've unwittingly crashed someone's wedding or otherwise special occasion because there are smatterings of applause and Dutch speeches that are breaking out behind me. So I'll try to keep it low key, but this is a gorgeous spot to be. I'm looking out over acres and acres of farmland. There's church spires in the distance, blue sky, white puffy clouds. If I squint far enough to the east, I can almost see the West Flader and Abbey. Now that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but West Flader and St. Bernardus are so closely connected. It's really cool. And their history is just inextricably linked. But wow, what an amazing spot. Partygoers were having a great time, and it was easy to see why. Or perhaps more accurately, it was easy to taste why, because the beers at St. Bernardus are world-class. As I mentioned earlier, they have several excellent beers. But I want to talk briefly about my three favorites, which are the 12, the 8, and the 6. The 12, which the company calls Abbott, spelled A-B-T-12, is a big, quadruple-style dark beer. At 10% ABV, it consistently shows up on best-of lists in books and websites around the world. As we'll hear more about in a minute, this is also a beer that is beloved by beer geeks and Belgian beer experts. Personally, I find the 12 to be just about the perfect complement to a fireplace, a cold gray day, and a big warm meal, preferably one that includes meat and cheese. Now the St. Bernardus quote-unquote prior eight is more of a double style. It's very much a take on what you might think of when you think classic Trappist ale. According to the company, the 8 uses the original recipe that was brewed during the West Flateren era. For me, the 8 is also one of my favorite beers to look at. It's almost like a jewel in a goblet, and it has outstanding body and balance, which is another way of saying that it hits all the right spots as it goes down. Finally, the Six, which is known as the Potter Six, which is Latin for father and not English for a fictional boy wizard, makes a great aperitif. 
Now, this isn't a backhanded compliment. The 6 is truly enjoyable to drink. It's strong, but not too strong at 6.7% alcohol by volume. It's complex too, and sublime when you enjoy it with a board of charcuterie, for instance. It has hints of fruit, but sometimes almost comes across like coffee. And when you pair it with cheese, it's like having a symphony going on inside your mouth. No doubt about it, there is brilliant work being done in Watu. Stay tuned for more after the break. The bar was great, but so was the sense of confidence I took from the place. It was clear St. Bernardus was coming into its own as a brand. The feeling in Watu is warm and accessible. On one elevator ride, for instance, from the first to the third floor, I got help both from a guy who washed the windows and from a guy who ran the kitchen. Without either of them and their genuine interest in making sure that I got an interview, I never would have met Peter Vedonk a member of St. Bernardus's marketing team. When I sat down with Peter in a cavernous wood-filled space from the same era as the original cheese factory, I had some important questions to ask him. Like, what was up with the mystery man on the St. Bernardus label? Uh, if you look further into the label right now, uh, on our beers, it's no longer a monk anymore. He has evolved throughout the years into a like, medieval person. Uh, medieval uh, spokesperson, um, so all the re religious symbols uh, are no longer on the label, they have disappeared. So it was a Middle Ages man, not a Middle Aged man. That I could appreciate. And it helped to explain some things. If you look closely at the guy, Google St. Bernardus logo and look along with me, you'll see that maybe he's not as holy as he first seems. There's a gleam in his eye. His head is tilted just a little too far to one side. And that gesture he's making with his right hand? It looks like he could be a college football fan. But he also helped to crystallize a feeling I'd had since I discovered some of the story behind St. Bernardus. That it was a little bit like the bad boy on the edge of the Trappist fringe. I mean, the brewery is conservative and august to be sure but it also seemed kind of wild compared to monks who take vows of silence and live mostly behind walls. I asked Peter, was I crazy to think that? Uh, we profile as a bit like a bit rock and roll maybe, a bit, a bit edgy, um, also in the look and feel of, the, of things. Uh, we do not like to make the things uh, too, uh, too tight or too uh, posh. We have a lot of beer brands that are really posh I think uh, we, we like to profile ourselves as, a, as a something for uh, just a normal uh, and just a normal people uh, kind of beer. Now, you wouldn't find many beer experts in the world who would call St. Bernardus rock and roll. Perhaps this is because the beers are so well crafted. The brewing at St. Bernardus is done seriously and very well. But outside the beer, and in contrast to the Trappist links, I think rock and roll is kind of applicable. It's clear from being there, from visiting the Bar Bernard, from talking to so many people, that the crew in Watu are doing their own thing. They're blazing their own path. But even with those experiences, I still hadn't resolved the question of similarity between St. Bernardus Abbott 12 and West Flatering 12. So I sought further illumination from Sophie. 
Attic Semenaros is a great beer. I think so many people love it. Um, when I bring it, I bring it often to tastings as well and to workshops. And I talk more about why the beer is so special. Why is the beer so great in flavor? For me, it's really the malt character because Semenaros works with the roasted malt, caramel malt, and and also the yeast and gives it a full-bodied flavor. The West Vleten is brewed totally different because there are no dark malts are used to brew West Vleteren. The dark color is because of the mechanic sugar um, that is used to give the beer its typical flavor as well and to create a color as well. It's so different, the recipes are so different and if you put them next to each other, you taste this. You taste why the beers are actually different. It seemed like a worthy thing to do to put the beers next to one another and taste them, to see if I could tell how they were different. So along with an old friend of mine, I did just that. Today we're gonna to do a taste test. We're gonna taste St. Bernardus, they call it Abbott 12, um, which is based on the same recipe as West Flaterin 12, which is like the hardest beer in the world to get. So we're gonna taste it and just see what we think. So, so I'm gonna start with Phil. Phil, please introduce yourself. I'm Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. This I've is, been drinking with Nate a number of years. This is beer A, so let's give it a try. Okay. Tell me what you think. Okay. This is a blind taste test. Blind so taste test. No Phil. bias here. Nate has poured these, but Phil doesn't know what I've poured. All right, there goes the first one. First drink. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Mm-hmm. That is strong. That is strong. It's you can almost chew it. Um, very good. Very good. Um, almost kind of nutty, uh, for lack of a better term for it. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, that's so good. I like nutty. Nutty is a great descriptor. Yeah. Right. Let's try yeah. beer B. Beer See B. what you think about beer B. Okay. Mm, yeah. Very similar, but the finish on this is a little bit different. And I don't know if it's better or worse, but it's, it is different. Right. Like there's, there, there's definitely a difference between the two. Okay. Um, tasting it going down, it was very, very similar, but then, uh, at, at the finish it's, I don't know if it's a little more estuary or I'm not sure what it is, but. Is it a longer finish? Does it yeah, definitely stick with longer. You? Sticks okay. with you more. Sticks okay. with you more. Um, still tasting it in fact. So. Wow. That's fantastic. <laughs> so yeah. If you had to, yeah. to choose, to sort of based on your instantaneous drinking reactions, which one did you prefer? You know, honestly, I think I'd prefer the first one. Hmm. Um, it just goes down a little bit easier. Uh, you know, they're, like I said, they're very similar, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm not a person who likes, you know, to necessarily have something linger for a long time, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, take that however you want. Sure. All right, the big reveal. Beer A, the first one, was the St. Bernardus Abbott 12. Phil loved it. I did too, though on that particular day, I preferred the West Flaterin 12 with its delicious finish. But both beers were tremendous. Which brings us back to the beginning of the story. St. Bernardus makes excellent beers, ones that are loved by experts like Sophie and by regular beer drinkers like Phil and me. But we discovered in our taste test 
that Sophie was correct. The beers were very different. They had similarities, to be sure, but they were distinctly not the same beer. And so, for me, that settled it. St. Bernardus stands alone, on its own, from West Flateren. The relationship between the two is undeniable, but it's also literally history. St. Bernardus has its own brand, its own beers, its own expertise, its own growth strategy. The Bar Bernard is fantastic and is worth a visit all by itself. And so if you find yourself with a bottle of St. Bernardus beer, staring at the Middle Ages not a monk man, understand him for what he is, a symbol of a brewery that has a storied past, but its own very jolly future. And remember that it's good to enjoy St. Bernardus beer for what it is, and not for what it was once a part of. From now on, that's what I'll be doing. This episode of Belgian Beer Quest is brought to you by Earblitz, a production of Advantipro GmbH. Our producers include brewmaster Brett Hellenius, chief chemist Manuel Flotkin, and me, your humble host and fan of medieval-themed spokespeople, Nate Carney. Audio editing and mixing is also by Manuel Flotkin, who is so skilled that he could make us sound great even if he were working in a former cheese factory. The EarBlitz.com website was crafted in the spirit of an awesome rooftop bar surrounded by Hopsfield by Laura Hirsch, Tavo Caballero, and Aaron T. Grog. Marketing is handled by Michelle Purse, who makes sure we're just the right amount of rock and roll. You can find us at EarBlitz.com or subscribe to Belgian Beer Quest on all platforms where you find your favorite podcasts. Make sure you like the EarBlitz page on Facebook and follow EarBlitz on Twitter. A very special thanks to Sophie van Raffelgum, Feder Vogel, and Peter Ferdonk for their kindness, time, and expertise, to my old friend Phil for helping with the taste test, and to the good people at St. Bernardus for being so warm and helpful. Please join us next time for an illuminating conversation with master beer sommelier Sophie van Raffelgum, in which we'll learn what exactly Zythology is, why Belgian beer deserves a place at the same culinary table as French wine, and how Sophie has dedicated her life to dispelling myths about women and beer. Until then, cheers to you.